Hello everyone, welcome to the International Business Podcast. If you work across time zones, borders and cultures, this is the show for you. I'm Leonardo, founder and host of the show, but let's make it simple and just call me Leo. I'm based in Shanghai and I'm accompanied by two co-hosts, Stefano, based in Paris, and Audrey from San Francisco. Coming up on today's episode. The most important key point is that China will always stay one of the main manufacturing hubs in the world, even if some of the industries or maybe like toy industry that was a like huge in China before but they went to Southeast Asia but the key point is that most of the components most of the supply chain is still based in, in China and that's something that's going to stay around for the next 10 years because if they have to come from Europe or from America or from, where, from wherever to China there's plane tickets hotel tickets right now it's quarantine time and they cannot even come in Steven is the founder and CEO of GQC.io The leading third-party inspection company is based in Shenzhen, China, with operations covering main cities in China. Focusing on consumer product inspections, factory audits, factory improvement, and technical engineering and troubleshooting, he helps companies improve their quality control and save cost and time. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. You can find more details in the show notes. Now let's begin. Hello, Stefan. I'm glad to have you on and welcome to the show. Hi, Stefano. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Okay, let's get right, uh, dive right into it. Uh, first question we always ask our guest, why would you define yourself as an international professional? Yeah, that's a very good question to start with. Um, so I've been living um, abroad since I'm 17. So I grew up in Germany and with, with 17, I decided to go to high school in America. And with that experience with 17, 18, um, to live in America and study abroad, uh, making very nice life experiences, I already knew that I want to continue um, to for my college studies to continue that kind of living abroad. And so when I returned to Germany, I went to college and we had a chance to do a semester abroad in China. and. I fall in love there and um, I kind of didn't really return. I finished my studies in China and went back for a quick trip to Germany, finished my college there. And then um, for me, I already had my return ticket in my pocket. And um, since then I knew I kind of want to live um, an international life, not only um, for traveling or not only for, like let's say like this, not only for professional career, but also for traveling and for exploring the world. Wow, so you were, super early when you decided super young when you decided to uh like the the world was your stage was going to be your stage it's pretty interesting yeah, yeah. so basically like with 17 i went to the states and then I, re- i i started living in china when i was 22 and now i'm 33 so it's been almost and totally like 12 years uh, of my life that i have lived um abroad before getting into the quality control processes um i would like to ask you to expand on the meaning of quality. What is quality for you? How do you define that? Quality is something that has been with me in my life uh, the whole time. You know, like um, Germans are always very famous for German quality, like the best best of the best. And uh, usually just like to keep it very short, um, for me, quality stands for um, satisfying customers' expectations or even um, what is even better if you exceed customers' expectations. And that's not only what quality stands for, but that's also what I want to reach with my company, that we exceed 
expectations of our customers. And now we understand that you are the settled in, in China, you are working in China. And what are the benefits of using this, I want to say, German-oriented quality control <laughs> companies in, 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 in China and Asia to broaden up the continent? Yeah, exactly. So, like, of course, our main business is in China, but of course, we also offer services in Southeast Asia. Um, but, you know, our, our buyers or like, the, let's say, our customers are all overseas um, companies who are usually not in, in China or in Asia. And specifically, since COVID happened, um, when people cannot travel to Asia or to China, um, a lot of them really don't know what's going on with, with their factories, with their suppliers. And um, this is where we step in. Um, we basically, we can ensure that the products that they are ordered um, are exactly with the specifications and the requirements that the customer requested. And we basically, we have our team and uh, we send our inspectors or I even go by myself like three or four days a week, go to the factory and we check the quality uh, and we basically save with this a lot of cost um, for the customer and also we save a lot of time for them. Because if they have to come from Europe or from America or from wherever to China, there's plane tickets, hotel tickets. Right now it's quarantine time and they cannot even come in. And um, I would say it's the, the best benefit that um, our customers, that they can focus on their business, what they are really good in. Let's say they, 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 they make products or they, they sell products in Europe, then they don't know so much about quality, right? So we are professionals for quality. They are professionals with selling products. So if they have more time to sell, they can make more money and we um, have good customers. So I assume, I don't want to say there is a gap between the quality culture of, uh, between European American companies and Chinese Asian companies. So, but there is a difference in the point of view, a difference perspective uh, of the term of quality. Correct? Am I correct in assuming that? Yeah, for sure. Everyone has different different um, expectations, right? Like um, Germans or Europeans, Americans, um, they have a different point of view of quality, right? They want to have products that are sustainable, that can last very long. And um, also basically that they fulfill the requirements um, for safety, which is super, super important for Europe. And um, I think also one of the next points, you know, like um, when, when it comes to problems with Chinese suppliers, manufacturers and, and our, what, 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 have, what have we discovered or what kind of problems are we facing? Then uh, you know, there's like always like three, three major reasons um, what, what can go wrong, you know? Um, one reason could be that the factory really have to save money. They're on a tight budget. Um, the customer's asking for very low prices. So they have to still somehow make some profit. And so they reduce some components um, and just try to save money. And that's where problems can occur. Um, then also it can be um, a, mis a misunderstanding from the customer um, to the factory that there's a misunderstanding. They don't really know what requirements they need. And the, the reason what for me personally, what I see the most, um, that factories just don't pay attention to details. They miss something, um, they forget something, and then um, the people don't pay attention. And then a lot of problems come out on the production line. I assume this is a very highly competitive market. How did you find your your place? And most importantly, what did you learn from your previous jobs or your competition? 
you're, you're completely right. It's very tough, you know, like we are a small company with like 15 to 20 people and our com competitors have been in the market for 10, 15, 20 years and they have 500 people, 1000 people, um, but we kind of found our niche that um, a lot of those very big companies um, that are famous, um, they, they are not that great with customer service, you know, like a lot of, let's say smaller companies or small medium companies, they have different needs and uh, we are able to fulfill them. You know, they want to have good customer service. They maybe ask five, qu five questions too much, but we're very happy to answer them. And um, that's kind of a service um, that those big companies cannot really offer. And further, what is um, basically my unique selling point is um, that I'm the, the German guy in China and that for a lot of um, companies, specifically from Germany, but also from Europe, um, that they want to have a foreigner that is actually going to the factory uh, knows how um, production processes work, know um, how factories should do quality control. And they, we are basically the insurance. And that's where we found ourselves with, we have two foreigners in our company. And there's not that many, there's not that many companies who actually really have foreigners that send them to the, to the factories to check their products. And um, that's a very, a very big plus for us. And that makes us very competitive because people want to have a foreigner um, checking their factories, especially now when people could not have come to China for the last two years. That's uh, one of the biggest benefits that we have and where we see our customers being very happy um, that they can send us to there. And for the questions, um, what we have learned from competitors, you know, so I've been, I've been working the last, so I have my own company now, company now, like for two or three years almost. And let's say like I have my company for two years. And the last eight years, I've worked for um, two of the biggest companies in the, in the industry. And I have just seen um, where they have wasted, wasted a lot of money, where they have spent too much time. And for me, as I cut out those, those big problems, where they may, as an example, they spent maybe 100,000 a year on, on some software and on developers, where I found better solutions with other companies who uh, have SAS as a, as a service that you can buy without spending tons of money. Um, we don't have huge HR costs. We don't have um, one or two like high-end GMs who need high salary. So that's where we can be very competitive. And where I also learned that it's um, very important to, uh, to keep everything within a certain budget and not overspend as other companies do. But even if you don't overspend, okay, I wanted some projection from you. If you had 10 times the budget you have now, what would you invest it on? What would you spend it on after the experience you had already in your line of work? Uh, we, we always want to stay an innovative company. And we also just invested um, quite a big amount of money in our ERP inspection system. And um, I would always, if we have more budget and if we have more money, I would um, spend it on in the company, on our team. So I would train our staff um, for new certifications, um, that they have more knowledge about um, product updates. Um, and then, of course, if I could, if I had more budget, I would like to spend more money on Google Ads, on SEO, and also find um, maybe a very good, another foreign um, operation manager that can take more of my shoulders so that I can take care of other stuff in the company. So this is interesting because you are, please correct me if I'm wrong, but what I understood is that you would invest more on the know-how of the team that you already have instead of just expanding the team and becoming one of those 1000 employees 
company that don't know what they're doing, but they're 1,000. Like, like no offense, like no offense to those companies who have 500 people or 1,000 people. But I, what I have seen is, um, if you get more than 100 people, it's very hard to control all of them. And I think for me, as a as a goal, is like to grow within the next years to a company size to 50 to 100 people. Um, I think that's the right size um, that you can still control, like a certain niche. And of course, um, 100 people is actually also already way too much, I think. But um, having a good size of, of really experts, um, people that you can trust and control, and that's with, with a size of 50 people, um, for me, the perfect size where I think that's um, a good way that you can still like grow and um, make a lot of like make good turnover and still have the specific niche that you can really um, provide excellent customer service to your to your uh, to your clients. Okay, we we now are and this is the time of the one million dollar question. What how COVID-19, how did COVID-19 affect it? Uh, the manufacturing in China and the whole exporting business overall. I want your take on this. Yeah, so at the beginning of 2020, um, of course, it was like a very big impact since most factories have been closed. Um, but actually, this was finished within one or two months and then everything went back to normal. And then actually, um, China was doing well and Europe and the rest of the world was getting big problems. So. When everyone was staying um, in, in Europe or in the States at home, like people actually start buying so many products because they wanted to have like a nice um, home office. They spent money because they could not travel. And actually this was like um, very, very good for China because everything was made in China. And this was also for, our, for, for my business. It was really good because like all of my customers, they have ordered much, much more than before. We had much, much more inspections than before. And um, with, also with all of the, the trouble that happened during during the everyone needed mask. So um, there was a lot of a lot of new opportunities coming up. But also what was one of the problems is that container prices skyrocketed and um, supply chain had some issues. Um, components got more expensive. There was no people that are able to come to China. So it was somewhat very beneficial for me for the last two years. And we grew a lot um, based uh, based on what happened due, due to COVID. But I also believe that um, right now we kind of reached um, um, a kind of world crisis that is going to come up soon with the war in Ukraine, uh, with supply chain issues. You know, you can see now in Shanghai um, have been on lockdown for 50 days, a lot of uh, supply chain issues being caused by that. That's somehow like bringing a lot of trouble to China. And almost like 10 years ago, when I finished my college, I wrote a, my bachelor thesis about, you know, what's going to happen in, 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 in Asia or China as a manufacturing hub. And even 10 years ago, like people have asked me, hey, so like there's a lot of the factories will go to Southeast Asia, to Vietnam. And I mean, this already happened 10, 15 years ago because like the really big players in the industry, they already know that um, salaries will increase and they already they did China like from 1990 to 2010. And then like before 2010, they also already started setting up their companies in Vietnam, manufacturing in Thailand and other Southeast Asian places. So that's it's not really not really that new that um, factory is going to move Southeast Asia, but the most important key point is that China will always stay one of the main manufacturing hubs in the world, even if some of the industries or maybe like toy industry that was a like, huge in China before, but they went to Southeast Asia. But the key point is that most of the components, most of the supply chain is still based in, in China. And that's something that's going to stay around for the next 10 years. Maybe they're going to um, move 
more factories inside of China instead of keeping it on the on the East Coast. Um, but I still believe that China is going to be the, the main manufacturing player in the world for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Do you think you will keep the lead uh, as a manufacturing hub over all the other southeastern countries, maybe um, like, I don't know, Thailand? Well, also just for the, the size of the of the country and the infrastructure and the population, I'm sure China is already has already an advantage over these other little hubs, manufacturing hubs. Yeah. Yes, I, I do have to say I'm a very big fan of Vietnam. Um, there's a lot of things going on the last five years. And before COVID, I also usually went almost every second month to Vietnam to um, check with our team. We have a few people who work there. And it's actually very interesting what what's going on in Vietnam and um, how this country has been developed and what's uh, how much increasing is going on there. It's super interesting. Okay, I've got one final question for you. Uh, and this is the human moment of the interview. And I'm actually looking forward to your answer because now that I know you've been around in, you know, in American high schools and, and Chinese business schools and just traveling the world since you were a teenager, we can say that. I would like to know one memorable moment from your international career, like the, the funniest one or the, uh, the most catastrophic episode or uh, the, the, a success story. I don't know, something, something shocking. Yeah, for me, honestly, it's not very much shocking, but for me, it was always my goal to have my own company. And um, basically like learning and making experience around the world or let's say a lot of experience in Southeast Asia with my previous companies. Um, for me, it was like a really um, big milestone in my life that I started my own company around two years ago. And you know, when I rented, when I signed the office lease um, for, my, for my office um, and I got all the furniture and I said, okay, cool. Like I can start my business now. Like we have a real company and we have a real office. But I was the only person in there, right? So it was like a little bit ridiculous to like sit every day in this kind of big office. But of course, I was very proud. And then, you know, like it took me half year or a year. And then, you know, like from um, the person that I was there at the, alone at the beginning, we were like six people. And of course, like we have office staff, but most of our people are in the factory. But it's just very interesting to see if you really can work very hard and, you know, like um bring good value to your customers that you know you just like that step within two years to grow from me being alone in the office running around in two factories in southeast uh, in south in south china and guangdong to like growing to a team of 15 people and like when we had our annual annual cny like chinese new year party and then like really see that we really grew to a real company with like real people that was like for me like a very a beautiful, shocking, interesting, successful moment um, that was, yeah, that brings a lot of happiness to me. That's when you realize, you know, when you pop the champagne and you realize, oh, okay, I did that. That was me. Yeah, like, <laughs> I was like, shit, like, we are a real company, like, we have people. Um, of course, it's also a lot of responsibility, um, but it's it's been a beautiful, beautiful um, travel beautiful trip for me for the whole um, business yeah, stuff. Sure, of course. Awesome. Um, Stefan, before we go, um, who should connect with you? And if you could tell us a bit more about your uh, current role? Yeah, so basically, I'm the, I'm the founder of the company. And I'm always very interested in to exchange with other entrepreneurs, um, other business people who are, have something to do with China. 
if people, of course, are interested in our services, uh, they, if they need support uh, with quality control, um, they can always hit me up. But I'm just like, in general, a person who really likes to network, um, hears about other stories, people who struggle, people who need support with China. Um, I'm very interested, um, very open-minded to help and um, just love to connect to people and exchange. Okay, well, Stefan, I want you to thank you for your very interesting insights. Uh, and of course, thank you for joining us on the International Business Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Stefano. It was a really, uh, really good talk. You can find the podcast on all the major platforms. Make sure to subscribe. Do not miss the weekly episodes. And are you an international professional? Connect with us on LinkedIn to come on the show. For now, cheers.